0: everybody, and welcome to episode 16 of season 3 of This Week in Baseball, presented by Diamond Digest. I am your host, Shazky. I have a giant crew to talk about the playoff picture and what we can expect over the next couple of weeks as the baseball season comes to a close. Tavi, Joseph, plenty of times I've seen both of you recently. Joey, James, have not seen either of you recently, so welcome back, but... Longtime members of both Diamond Digest and the show. Uh, so excited to have you two back. We'll start with some shout-outs. We'll all have a little round table of, you know, it's, it's been a little bit since we've been on air. We'll have something to shout out. We'll <clears throat> cover some of the main highlights outside of the playoff picture. Then we'll get into our playoff preview, playoff predictions, all the good things to come over the next couple of weeks of baseball. We're going to end with our favorite moments of the year. I I think it's a fun way to kind of tie everything together as we end the regular season, get ready for what is to come, and hopefully it's some exciting baseball over the next couple of weeks. But before we get going, how's everyone doing? Good?
1: Good. Quite excellent.
0: There we go. There's some enthusiasm. (laughs) We got got like three Dodgers fans on here. You're (laughs) going to be watching off baseball. Some of us don't have that joy in
2: life.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I have. We've all been through October before. Yeah, joy in life. My life expectancy goes down like six years every October.
1: I can't wait to have my Twitter timeline full of people talking about Mickey Mouse rings and how this one doesn't count for some stupid reason if they end up winning it. So. I'll I mean, look at you, it yeah.
4: this way. The two teams that I support are going to lose a combined like 100 and uh, 201 games this year. Nationals so, and Tigers? Yeah. Rough, right. rough right. go this right. year. Who am I to
0: judge? My, my White Sox are just mired in mediocrity as far as it can be at
2: 81. 81.
0: I'll trade you guys and, and your Dodger timelines anytime, though. So. Whenever you feel like you're ready to uh, pass over the torch, head up to the south side of Chicago and we'll be good to go. No, I lived in okay. the McCourt years. I'm good.
3: <laughs> I was and like, we're, we're, we're good. My parents
0: this. are Sox fans. I hear it from them. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not a fun time, but well, um, we'll get into that a little bit. Because that, there was some news on the south side that was not an 81-81 and 81 record. So, But let's jump into shout outs. This is what we'll do since it's been a little bit. Everyone's got something they want to talk about, and rather than try and fit it in or squeeze it in somehow, let's just give everybody a chance to shout someone, something, someone, anything out in terms of what's happened to baseball for the past couple weeks. So, v, let's start with you.
2: All right, I'm gonna get real depressing real quick. Uh, so here's the six. all right, let's not start with you. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. Um So around the All-Star game, I'm sure if you were kind of paying attention, there was maybe a blip that came across your either Twitter Dash or Radar about uh, the workers, the stadium workers at Dodger Stadium unionizing. And the big thing was that they were going to strike the All-Star game, All-Star week, and they ended up not doing that. Um, It's not going well for them right now uh their unionization efforts are very slow um no official no one's wanted to go on the record about it but i've talked to a couple stadium workers you know in passing i talked for a long time to a security person it's not going well um they're not doing them right there's union busting tactics that are happening um now this is based off like one person kind of complaining so um please take it with a big grain of salt but it's really, really frustrating to be so proud of what's happening on the field and what's going on with the team and like, you know, the, the positive masculinity and the friendship and the bonds and everything that like they really tout happening on the field when it just feels like they're really doing the people who make their stadium run uh, down and dirty. Uh, it was especially galling that I kind of heard this during that Diamondbacks uh, stretch because they had just done this um, ceremony, like celebrating how many years several stadium workers had been there, security guards, um, ushers, things like that. Um, so it's really frustrating Um, I've kind of been chatting with some actual real reporters who don't just talk about butts all the time, uh, about trying to like get into this. Um, I don't want to talk a whole lot about it because I haven't really fact checked anything because that's not what I do. I talk about butts all day. Um, but just know that it it is not, the fight is not going as well as I think people think. Um, or at least it wasn't according to some of the people I talked to. So, um, just be aware uh something may happen during playoffs something may not happen during playoffs um it really depends on i think in the next couple weeks what happens how negotiations go there are a lot of contracts that are up in november that were again here's it, like supposedly there were contracts that were up in november that were supposed to be renewed by now already and they have not been um and there was some skullduggery with uh, addresses and payments during the pandemic. So just be aware that might be a thing that happens. And it also might get paved over, like, you know, with so much mustard on a Dodger dog. But like it just um, it's really frustrating to kind of hear stadium employees talk that way when you're walking out of like, you know, I think it was like win 106 when I left, you know. Um, and so just 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 be aware uh, if you do go to Dodger Stadium, if you travel there for playoff games, just be super nice to the, cansta- the, 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 uh, the stadium workers. And, um, you know, they're going through it and they're trying to be uh, fair and get fair pay. And um, the Dodgers and Levy, the corporation that's technically running their payroll, um, doing some weird, not great things, according to uh, a handful of people i just kind of chatted with so that's fun
0: they're trying to do something that doesn't happen a lot and yeah you're trying to set the foundation for others to follow past and it's not going to be an easy path
2: there are union jobs at the stadium I Mm -hmm. i please don't quote me on this but i think security is union and there's a couple others but they're also just having problems getting in touch with their security reps and it's it's there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes that fans are not privy to unless they stop and ask and i really encourage people to you know within reason like don't hold up the line because that just makes their job harder but like if you see someone with a union strong button on who's not really you know doing something vital maybe uh talk to them about it and ask their opinion and let them know that you know, you're behind them and you hope that they get fair pay because they, they help run the stadium and they help, they help make these amazing wins, you know, fun.
0: <laughs> right. And I think it's something where, like you said, it came out around the All Star break, you heard about it. And then you stopped hearing about it. So people yeah. stop, not stop caring about it, but stop putting well, it they stopped at, hearing up. Stop caring about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you stop caring about it. It's not at the top of your mind. So it's, it's nice to have some sort of an update. It's yeah. not great to hear. It's not a great yeah. update. but it's And
2: I, not- do, I do want to reiterate that this was just based off like one or two people. Sure. I don't know if they knew the whole situation or, you know, they could have just been grumbling. But the fact that they aren't unionized yet, that they are. They're being shady about it. And it's not good.
0: The less you hear isn't necessarily a good thing. But- yeah. That's what it comes down to. So The other thing uh, that is
2: worth mentioning that is true is that they had a Twitter account that was Mm. documenting the the move, and that is now gone. There is no, uh, as of right now, at least that I could find, and the person I talked to, one of them said that they were being severely discouraged from going on social media about things, which is never a good thing.
0: Right. Especially in an age where... A lot of information is only getting out that way. Yeah. So. No, it's, it, it's good to know. It's unfortunate to hear. But again. It, it, but 111
2: it, wins. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not. And they just half of it. Well, the other part of it is like, you know, we're not the highest payroll anymore. So we're a poverty franchise. Oops. Oh, so we, yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like they don't have the money to pay people.
0: Yeah, sure. Poverty <laughs> franchise over there in L.A. Let's just go to another L.A. fan here. <laughs> And let's just run through the line. Joseph,
3: who are your Uh, shout-outs? Shout-out Albert Pujols and Aaron Judge, who did the coolest things in sports in the coolest way imaginable. I think Aaron Judge intentionally did not hit 62 for a while, because he wanted to get people introduced to the beautiful game of baseball by watching another exploitative thing, college football. And maybe he got a <laughs> few more eyes on it. Probably not because those at bats were rough to watch. But he finally did it. Thank goodness because we have a new clean home run record, just in the nick of time. And I also want to do a little mini shout out to the guy who went over the railing at um, Globe Life Field <laughs> to, in the bullpen to try and get that thing. Worth a it's shot. How did that work out? And then. Albert Pujols, little bit mad about this one because backstage stuff. I had tickets to go Saturday to Cardinals Dodgers in the right in the left field pavilion. I'm like, okay, he's close. He could hit 700. And then he hit 699. I was really excited, and then he hit 700, and I'm like, oh god!
2: Of a poor Phil Brickford.
3: It. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still yeah. super. Imp- significant and super cool that he got to 700 when nobody thought he had a chance two years ago, the way things were going, especially after he got released by the angels and even at the all-star break, no one thought he had a chance, but him to turn back the clock like this and just hit them one after another, after another off righties and lefties. When a lot of people, myself included were saying he can only hit lefties anymore. Really? Well, I think that's just incredible. And it's something we're going to talk about for a long, long time. I don't think I really looked at Albert Pujols'
0: stats at any point this year. In 350 plate appearances, he has a 550 slugging. <laughs> I, 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 I think that got away from me just the sheer rate at which a 42-year-old is hitting home runs this year. And just to your point, it was not something that people thought he was going to get to, and now he's hitting over 700 home runs. He's at 703 now, so he's got room to spare at this point. 24 home runs makes any Sox player jealous this year. Um, That's just an impressive number. So, congratulations to Pujols. I don't think we'll probably see 700 again, at least until we have some next just generational player. But you look at. Some of the years he was hitting homers at a rate easily over 40 multiple times. I I just don't think that's coming again anytime soon. It'd be great if it did, but I I don't think anyone's particularly close. It would have to be a player we haven't
3: even seen yet. I want to give like a little mini shout out to Jordan Alvarez. I give him like a 5% chance, if that, because if anyone in this current generation is going to do it, I think it's going to be Jordan. He's just too pure of a hitter. Someone who
0: can slug, thir- I mean, even so, it's like 33 homers and then 37 homers this year. It's like, those are great paces, but it's still not 700 worth, which is yeah. wild. It, it's just, it speaks to just how unique and, and how special it is that who else was able to do it. In today's game, like, again, he needed it 21 homers this year to get to it, and he did. Like, that's, in- or excuse me, 22 homers this year to get to it, and he did. That's insane. Like, what he's been able to do is phenomenal.
2: I wonder if uh, the, the desolation of the shift is going to also kind of do that because base hits are going to be more prevalent and there will be more action on the field that way and maybe mm-hmm. players don't feel like they have to leave the yard as much. Pure speculation.
0: <laughs> it will be interesting to see how the game sort of changes again. I would say shift, but that, that would have just been a dumb pun. How the game changes again um, once the shift is not banned, but heavily discouraged from having any sort of true shifting done. So I, I think that's going to be a huge story point come next year. But you're right. If you're not worried about only hitting homers anymore, what happens now to the home run rate? It'll be an interesting case study for people next year. Yeah. But congratulations, Blue Hulse. Congratulations, Judge. You can... Debate the home run record to the cows comes home. I don't know what everyone's opinion is on that one. I think that's a, an episode in itself. Like
2: my opinion is Roger Maris Jr. should get some rest.
0: You can't fault the kid for uh, cheering uh, on standing his dad,
3: but
2: let him sleep. Fine.
3: Just I man's got to be union with as many vacation days as he had piled up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just ready. happy. Albert Pujols
3: got to seven
1: hundred because at six ninety nine I wasn't sure if he was a Hall of Famer or not, but because he hit <laughs> number seven hundred, I think it's safe thing. to say, you know, seven hundred home runs, that's a lot different than six hundred and ninety nine. There you go. It's a fair point. So He wasn't a Hall of Famer to no, me until he hit not at all. Never. Am I bitter that I missed it because I was getting the mail? Yes. (laughs) So back when Jim Tomey was with the White Sox,
0: he was right around 500. And I went the night before he hit 500 and I refused to go the next day because I had a baseball game. And I was, gosh, I had to be 12 or 13 at that point. And I was on the field when I heard he hit 500. So was not thrilled about that at the end of the day, knowing that I could have been there to see such a milestone. And he walked it off. It was a walk-off home. It was just like, I could have been there to see that. And I chose not to be. Probably not one of my finer decisions is like a baseball fan and someone who was never going to play baseball long term in, in any way, shape, or form. But that's my connection to a monumental home run far from 700. But it, it, like I said, it, it, these don't come around often. This probably won't come around again. And a home run race like Judge had towards 62. I don't know how often we see that either. I uh, it's it's kind of cool that two historic things came up in the same year. And I think we're very fortunate as baseball fans. All right, James, your shout-out. What you got?
1: All right. My beloved Dodgers, they clinched very early. And Even though I watch every game, I didn't really pay attention to every game after they clinched the division because it was basically just a formality, them getting to clinch everything. So I started watching to see who would get to 100 wins and who would get to 100 losses. Because it used to be incredibly impressive that you could win 100 games, and now I'm not impressed by it. Because too many teams win 100 games. This is the second time in the last four years that four teams have won 100 games. And if the Yankees had won today, it would have been five, which would have been a record. Before 2017, 300-plus win teams happened five times. And it's happened in each of the last five full seasons. So that and we have the most one hundred lost teams ever, which is uh not fun if you like the Reds or the Pirates or the Nats or the A's.
0: It was a weird season in terms of just like there were still some good races even with the, the expanded playoffs. There there was still some fun with it, but the the whole parity issue really didn't fix itself too much yet. Well, with so, so the
3: for, Going back to James's point, like last year it felt incredible that there were 200 win teams in the same division out west, and mm-hmm. it happened again this year out east and no one said anything. Yep. Because it happened so recently. It's not that special, unfortunately. Yeah, that's part of the thing. It's
0: it's it's a larger conversation about a, a still the game where it's trending, where it's been heading, and it's still a frustrating conversation. It's like, well, it, what did we fix? Sad. What did the lockout fix? As of now,
1: I don't know. Maybe you, know, you got
0: to get more than one season, but that's just being optimistic to be
1: honest. I'm just sad that I'm not excited about the Dodgers winning as many games as they did this year as I should be because I've just grown so numb to teams in general winning 100 games every year because it just feels like there's going to be a few of them that do now.
2: Ooh, I think your Dodgers fan is showing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm a Dodgers fan. I think it's amazing what this team has
0: done. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> like, <laughs> i yeah. i mean i i i, I it, it's i think yes it, it is it is a little more common than is happening um but it, it, we are we are witnessing baseball history right now like there's never been a team that has been this dominant well maybe maybe back in 18 you know tungsten arms whole days but like you know this 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 franchise is kind of amazing um, and 106 wins came in second last year. That's that's amazing. And I mean, you know, maybe do we do we want a loss year to make 100 you know sound special again? I don't know. I, I like I like being spoiled. I'll continue to be spoiled.
1: Yeah. I also live I mean. in a market where the fans kind of just hate baseball because the owners are so inept, and they paid Chris Bryant a lot of money so.
2: I mean, plantar fasciitis or whatever. Is They're not... uh,
1: very bitter, constantly. Giants well, let's just let's plan. put it this
2: way. Uh, who was it that I can't remember who it was that posted talking about how Dodgers had three million more fans come to the stadium than the Oakland A's did, and that is you know that's the top and the bottom, right? And mm-hmm. I went to I went to a game in Oakland. I went to a, a, a two games in Oakland actually, and I'll tell you right off uh ownership investing in the stadium is and not investing in the stadium is so apparent like it is it is vastly disparate like they're both like dodger stadium is so much older than the coliseum right but it doesn't feel that way because ownership has kept up with it third
1: oldest in baseball
2: Yes, um, so it does, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel that way, right? Because it's current. Um, part of it is I feel like ownership has abandoned the stadium, has abandoned keeping up. They do have really nice toilet paper, though I will say. Um, but the city has also kind of really abandoned them. Like it's really easy to be like, oh, there's a lot of trash around the stadium. Not a lot of trash cans, um, and the one trash can I did see was overflowing. And like oh there's a burned out car how long has it been sitting there there's a plant growing through it like you know so i think it's a partnership of ownership in the city and I, I don't know enough about the situation to to know who's to blame or if there is anyone to blame or if you know they have other priorities than than that oakland has a lot of a lot of uh different issues that it has to, struggled with recently you know um but it's just apparent that one team like even in between the innings like the cap shuffle was boring like no one won a cap there'd be like a cap shuffle and like it was just the audience like oh i won or i didn't win like there was no nothing with fan forward um i'll tell you all the employees were super nice and everything but like they just did not They didn't do anything for the fans. And it was really, really obvious that none of these decisions are being made with the audience in mind. And ultimately, like, even if you're like, oh, I'm building the team to win, you know, I don't care about the fans. You care about the wins. You do care about the fans, right? Like without the fans, without the wins, that's just not going to happen. So it's just, it was so starkly obvious the, the difference between a franchise that thinks about making money in the form of pleasing fans in a franchise that has no apparent or obvious concept of how to do that or if they're even trying.
3: They're not trying because they want to move to Vegas. It's so sad. Simple as that.
1: I mean, I think Oakland's a great market. Uh, it's sad what's going on there. Uh, I know they have a passionate fan base. The attendance oh, yeah. is not related to... A lack of fans, it's just the fans are fed up with the product. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to mention this because it's close to my heart in Colorado. Fans go to Coors Field. Doesn't matter if they're Rockies fans, it's usually not Rockies fans. But the Monfort's, they love people like myself who go to all the Dodgers games there because they just love the color green. And they don't care about the team. They just care about making that money. If it means having a great stadium experience, then we'll that's the difference that. though.
2: That That's the difference they're invest. Well, the one advantage Monford has is that he's a real estate guy, right? Or the, the Rockies have, he's a real he estate likes, guy. So
1: he's a meat packer.
2: Yeah, but but he also owns a lot of the, the 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 area around the stadium and so it's to his advantage to want to get fans and it's to his advantage to be as fan friendly as possible. Oakland does not have that. There's there's mm-hmm. there's nothing, you know, it's 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 literally right next to a lumberyard. Um so they've made no effort to make it comfortable. They've made no effort. Like the BART is right there. It's great, man. I got off a train, I walked over a bridge, I was at the station. It was as at the um coliseum. It was great. So like they've they've really they really I think you just proved the point that like baseball is almost secondary to fan comfort when it comes to getting fans in the door, um, because, you know, if they're talking about, oh, we can't get fans to come. You are a concrete box and have done nothing to fix that. Um, so you're right money can still be made off of a, a, a crappy product they're just not trying to they, they, you're right they want to move to Vegas but baseball teams are profitable even, even when they're losing
0: yeah it's, it, it's again it comes back to that larger point of under win teams, under loss teams they're all rampant right now and you have organizations that are prioritizing the dollars that they can get, even if the team can't win. But before we get to Joey, I'll leave with my one thought on Mr. Spoiled Dodgers fan over there. (laughs) Um, The White Sox have had one 100-win season um, in the history of their franchise. It was back in 1917, and in case it's unclear, I was not born then. (laughs) Um, I knew you were older than me, but not that So I I know I'm older (laughs) than most of you. But I'm not that old, so that was
2: Rich, that was Rich Hill's uh rookie season, wasn't it? Yeah, might as well have been. <laughs> looking
0: back to. It. Yeah, like so. Anytime you're going to complain about oh, I'm numb to 100 win seasons, just consider your audience, maybe just a little bit. So, I, I so. get what you're saying. Oh, go ahead,
4: yeah. Way. So. I, I kind of well sympathize done. with you, Laz. I really do. Um, the last <laughs> time the Tigers had 100. No, okay. The Nats <laughs> accidentally won the World Series. That doesn't count. Um,
2: team of oh, we definitely. had to bring that up right now. We yeah.
4: just
3: had to bring that up right now.
4: Well, I am going to talk a little bit about Juan Soto, um, sort of related to my two shout-outs. So my first one is for my guy, Joey Manessa's 30-year-old rookie on the Nats. Had a 168 OPS plus in the 55 games that he played in the big leagues this year. Fastly outperforming Juan Soto, who had a measly, like, 130. Like, this awful. That guy stinks. Um, I'm so glad we got rid of him. This is shameless. Um, do I care that Joey Manessis had a 376 BABIP? I do not. Do I care that he was on pace to ground into 38 double plays in a full season? I do not. Because... <laughs> He OPSed at 939, and he was the only bright spot in the last two months for the Nats uh, for the most part. Okay. And uh, the other one is for Justin Verlander, who, you know, has been my favorite pitcher since, like, 2006, uh, growing up in the Detroit area. And uh, if you had told me when I was in kindergarten that Justin Verlander would be the Cy Young frontrunner, the year after I graduated college, I would have – called you crazy but what he has been doing this year is absolutely insane coming off of tommy john he has a 1.75 era over 175 innings at 35 years old or not 35 39 years old It is the uh, i saw um i think it was pitching ninja tweeted today that it is the third lowest uh al era since they lowered the mound in like 1968 uh and if he had gotten two more scoreless outs then it would have been the lowest. So, um, my guys, you know, I've loved Justin Verlander forever, and I'm super happy for him. Uh, he's a Virginia guy, too, so I've got, like, the double connection to him. Um, super happy for him, and, um, you know, I'm happy for Joey Manessis, too. Um, I don't know that he's going to have the career that Justin Verlander has had, but we can dream.
2: At least you're, mean, you're, a- you're talking to a bunch of Dodger fans here, so... Doesn't yeah. Joey Hooray, have a
1: higher career OPS than Justin Verlander?
4: I would say that's probably likely. And
1: if Hall he hit, if he gets one out without allowing a single run, he has a better ERA.
4: That he does. That is that it is impossible to disagree with that statement. I'm I mean just Justin saying.
2: Turner has a better ERA than verlander
0: so. i mean you you also look at it from the other side verlander's the only thing standing in between dylan cease
1: and Asai cy young right now so you managed to piss everybody off tonight so nicely well, <laughs> dylan cease was on my fantasy team this year and i made it to the championship with him and he stunk it up against the padres this week
0: yeah I think that just became a case of, I mean, to his credit, like I want to talk about him briefly. Like he's made 32 starts in two consecutive seasons. Like to his credit, that's awesome. And a testament to the health, but also this team gave up a long time ago. And I think it's hard to mentally get yourself on the horse when, you know, Verlander's just essentially destroyed your chances of winning Cy Young. So the best you can do is second place. And you're probably going to get that anyway.
4: At, at least he has a six me. stash though
0: he does he does have a six stash i i will give that to him that was i wish i could have a mustache like dylan sees i did not expect it to last through the year and it did
3: i was impressed by that um young just for the stash
1: because
3: nothing be makes a, a it. good pitcher like a good stash
1: <laughs> i'd be fine with that's a
3: that's a know, raleigh really fingers like... thought
2: Everyone thought Sandy uh, down in Miami had this, the NL Cy Young all wrapped up. Do we think Urias has a case?
4: No.
0: Just, my dad. I this a few weeks ago. <laughs> Do what? Didn't Joseph, didn't you try spinning this narrative a few weeks ago?
3: About Urias? I want to make it clear <laughs> that I will be voting for Alcantara. <laughs> it's just my dad, God bless him, loves Julio Aureus more than his own kids, probably.
2: I mean, Urias has more wins. He's got a better ERA.
3: Just going back to last year when he won 20 games, he's like, you're voting for Urias, right? I'm like, no, I'm not voting for Urias. I'm sorry. (laughs) He's not the Cy Young. I just had to bring it up because he will not listen to me on this point. So I just thought, hey, maybe like three other people can make the argument. He still vehemently is pushing the Urias Cy Young narrative. I'm going to be voting Alcantara. He threw, what, 50 to 70 more innings than Arias and basically the same URA?
0: Let's see here. I'm looking it up. Arias, 175 innings. Alcantara, 228. Jeez, what a workhorse. I know. I didn't realize it got that high. That's rather impressive. Yeah.
2: I will say there has not been a lot of press around Arias um, for the fact that he has... You know, the best ERA, and you know, there was some downtime and stuff like that. But I, I it, it, it's weirdly quiet on him, I'm not really sure why.
1: He's the third most famous person in the rotation.
3: I was gonna say, everyone's yeah, OB. that's
2: true.
1: <laughs> the loaded team
3: kind of and the skeletons in his closet. I don't yeah. think you want to give him his yeah. flowers. Yeah, I will say uh, it's really it's really sad because like a majority, a large section of the Dodgers fan base are Mexican-American. I'm Mexican-American. And it really like it really touched me last night when he clinched the R.A. title. The first Mexican-American pitcher to do it playing for the Dodgers, Mm
2: -hmm. Fernando
3: with Fernando Valenzuela comparisons. And for that fan base, it really touched me. But Alcantara's not young. I'm sorry. (laughs) He might finish top 3 though. You never know. I, I would vote he, for him. I'd give him a two. second place vote. I wouldn't give him my first place vote. Yeah. I'll be curious to see Probably I starting game be
0: 1 because just looking at I think the NL Cy Young in particular it, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of what you value. Mm-hmm. Where does your and it'll be a good test of I think the AL's lockdown. You you can't have your ERA start with a 1 and not get the Cy Young.
2: Right.
0: But in the NL, um, you, you're in a situation where you have, again, a scenario of what do you value? Do you value innings? Do you value ERA? Do you value Williamsburg replacement? What's going to be the value? It, it, I, I'm very curious to see how the voting goes down and, and kind of how this uh, season or how the seasons have changed um, some of the voters over time. So, My last thought, my shout out will be to the end of the Tony La Russa experiment on the south side. A lot of us knew the ending to the movie before it even started. And we still got the ending that was expected. I think the most frustrating thing is <clears throat> the idea that you know we probably knew that the game had passed a Hall of Fame manager by in the past 10 years. Probably all knew it at the time. Didn't love that the experiment had to be conducted on my personal favorite baseball team, but it's kind of a again, a, a true a, a true um, testament to how much the game has changed over the past ten years. I, I don't think anyone
1: can deny that at this point. It's it like did not seeing work, and it is what it is. It's like seeing a trailer for a movie. You predict the ending the minute after you see the trailer. And then you go see the movie, and you're like, "Wow, that was a piece of shit." It's- I knew everything that was going to happen. Yep. I don't know why I just wasted twenty dollars and two and a half hours of my time.
2: I Man, I just on one hand, like, I'm glad he's gone, but on the other hand, Pardon like, it's friend. really sad to. See- I say fuck all the time. It's fine. Um, I think it's. I don't really mark sad- this child
0: currently on YouTube. We're fine. <laughs>
2: um, I. I just think it's really sad to, to watch just like someone like just blow up his career like that. Like, what's I, he going to be remembered for? Not not his excellent career. He's going to be remembered for falling asleep on the bench. So um, yeah. Was so the I, one last ride worth it?
0: That's, exact, that's exactly how I kind of it. Because when he had his last, pre- last press conference, you could never deny, and I will give him the credit on this, you could never deny how much he loved the game and wanted to succeed. The, the the love he has for baseball is something since he started managing the White Sox, you could see it just, it, then it becomes the other side of it was, well, he did it to himself by coming back. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's upsetting to see someone who loves it that much, not get the reward. But at the end of the day, you, you knew the risk coming in. You knew this was a possibility coming in that it does not work. And for as much as you wanted to believe in yourself, you you, you were you were part of you knew you were part of a huge part of the equation of whether or not this actually worked out. So, like, I I completely agree. When I watched his and final press conference, I was like, "It kind of stinks to see someone who loves this game so much fail like this." But at the same time, you could have walked away. In 2011. You were at the top of the world. You won a World Series. You're finally as a manager. You could have left. You came back. You had called. the ending. You had the ending. You decided to try and rewrite it for, I don't know what Dude, it would have
2: happened. happy endings only happen when you stop the story in the right place. Exactly. I mean, that's That's you, the proof of that. You had the sure. happy
0: ending. Yeah. And that's why it's like, yes, I feel bad, but you chose to continue the story, essentially. So, I... I well,
1: I think he about was that a lot Hall of Famer um... baseball person.
2: Yeah. And it was yeah. not all on him. I mean, the walk, the walk, the, the, the White Sox still hired him. It's like, it's not all on him. He said yes. Like, I, I think someone who loves baseball, that hell, if they said, Hey, do you want to, do you want to own the Angels? I'd say, hell yeah. That doesn't mean it's a good decision. I would make mm. terrible decisions, you know, but like baseball, like passion and love for something does not equate the ability to be good at it or, or like, um, the ability to stay current with it. Like,
0: it's it's you know, truly it's, a case study in like passion and knowledge. Like
2: yeah. And he just, has both, but like
0: But for what era? Right. Does the knowledge translate to this era? Well, no. Does the passion? Yeah, absolutely. We could still see it. Yeah. But but again, it just becomes that that's why I call it the experiment, because it was what has the game changed so much in 10 years that a Hall of Fame manager could look completely overmatched at times in the dugout. And the answer is yes. The game has changed enough in 10 years. And for as much as people want to say, it's still baseball, yada, yada, go back to the old days. It's not where we are. No amount of old-time managers in the dugout is going to change that. The ones who have succeeded and survived have adapted to the game today. Buck Show Waltz is a great example. Those who have adapted to the game as it's changed have been successful. Larissa I mean, Bob, Bob right.
2: Melvin, the, the Padres I'm right now, like, <laughs> Literally the guy who bridged the gap, right? right. Like a There's example. a movie about it and everything. So, you know, it, it, yeah.
0: So it's the end of the experiment. Sox fans feel the relief of a new start, but also this team's in a lot of trouble right now. A new manager, probably a whole new coaching staff. Uh, Jose Abreu probably walking away. this this, this team's not in a good spot. So there's only so much relief that comes from, you know, getting a new manager and potentially new coaching staff. There's there's a lot of unknowns and what's supposed to be the middle of a contending window. That's usually not how you like it, but that was also a risk. This team assumed when they hired a 76 year old manager was that there was the potential that he does not finish out his contract for reasons other than knowledge of baseball and walking away for heart concerns and undisclosed reasons medically. Again, you knew the risk going in as a person, as a franchise, as an owner, you knew this was a possibility. You made the mess. Now you got to clean it. The
3: it's sad gonna thing. Be,
0: it's going to be something on the South side this off season.
3: I will say I think the White Sox job is very attractive because we talk a lot about how Atlanta locked up their young talent. The White Sox have locked up a lot of that talent. And it's unproven talent, but if you get the right guy in there, that window swings wide open once again. Right. It's just it's you have big... to be really diligent. The stop sign yeah. does not go up until an accident. And the accident unfortunately happened. So they're going to be a lot more careful finding the next manager for this team.
0: I think they just have to look at it and say, this did not work. Clean everything up, change processes. Let the manager at the top dictate his staff, which really hasn't happened recently. There's been so much carryover. It can't all carry over every single time. Let the manager dictate his staff. Let the staff and the manager dictate the analytics use. Let everything... Joined together, and again, in many ways, socks have dug their own bed, it's or made their own bed now. They gotta dig their way out of it essentially. I combined like six different <laughs>
1: uh phrases, that's how so, flummoxing this entire Tony La Russa rehire era was.
0: Like, there were six different figures of speech in that, like, little rant I guess, whatnot, that meshed together. But anyway, I, I think we're at that point where again, it's a team that is as mediocre now as it was when it started the rebuild. You have more talent. You got to find the right person for it. Otherwise you're gonna be sitting on the outside looking in while we talk about playoff predictions. And for as much as I've been ready to have the socks in it all year, they're sitting at home. So Dodgers nation on diamond digest gets to talk about, (laughs) um, of the Dodgers for this. So let's talk about the playoff picture. Let's talk. We're gonna do a little postseason preview here as we kind of tend to the next segment of the show. Here's what it looks like. In the AL, the Yankees and Astros have buys. The Astros will face the winner of the fifth seed Seattle Mariners and fourth seed Toronto Blue Jays. New York will face the winner of Cleveland Guardians, number three seed, Tampa Bay Rays, number six seed. In the National League Dodgers and Braves uh, got their buys. The Dodgers will play the winner of the four seed Mets and the fifth seed Padres. The Braves will play the winner of the three seed Cardinals and six seed Phillies. I'll start with this. Most intriguing wild card round matchup is
3: which one? Cleveland and Tampa. Why? Because if Cleveland does what Tampa does well, it's just And both managers are really smart. I would love to see this just be a battle of the bullpens. Because you know Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie are going to do their things in games one and two. And you have to survive one of those games if you're Tampa Bay. And then game three is basically going to become a battle of the bullpens. And both of these teams have really damn good bullpens and offenses that aren't necessarily the best either. So it's going to be fascinating to see which manager is going to be the smarter one, pull the right pieces, get the right guy in the right scenario, and it's just going to be fascinating for me personally.
1: James, what's going on with that bottle? You completely distracted me. This is Mini Minoso. It's Consider it a peace offering. <laughs> you don't like my spoiled I attitude. <laughs> so enjoy Hall of Fame baseball person, Minnie Mignoso. So, uh, limited edition.
0: That's a cool bobblehead. I got... I think I got the plaque when they uh,
1: gave that out.
0: I have that sitting up there. But anyway, anyone else have a more intriguing matchup? I do. Okay, James, mm-hmm. go for it. Tell And tell me why it's more intriguing than Cleveland and Tampa Bay.
1: The Seattle Mariners, for the first time in my lifetime will be playing in the postseason against the Toronto Blue Jays. And the young talent on Seattle and Toronto, I would say, is far more exciting than the talent in Cleveland and Tampa Bay. You know, you got Julio, you got Vladdy and Bo Bichette and Alejandro Kirk you got better pitching, in my opinion, with Robbie Ray, the defending AL Cy Young winner, facing his former team, cool enough, Luis Castillo, who has been awesome for the Mariners, Logan Gilbert, who's been awesome this year in his sophomore campaign, Kevin Gossman, Alec Manoa. Like, those are all stars, if not superstars. It's a loaded series, full of talent, full of intrigue. I mean, it's going to be exciting. That's the one I cannot wait to watch personally.
3: Yeah, that series was in Seattle. I think the building would be shaking like at every t- that's a two fair straight count because it has been so long. And the Rogers Center is just something else in October, so it is going to be a very, very fun series, regardless. Like we're, there's going to be one moment from that series. I'm going to make the call right now that we're going to talk about for the next five years. Because well, we're still, the, the great... Batista, we're still talking yeah. about the next great. We're still talking
1: about the Bautista home run, aren't we?
3: Yeah, it's, it's going like to be the next years? great rivalry, if we're being honest. Like all the young talent that's everywhere. It's going to be the first of several knockout drag boxing matches for these two teams.
1: That's a good point. The pessimist in me really enjoyed watching the Mariners this year, so I would like to see them go far. Let me ask this question, and Tavi,
0: maybe I'll start with you on this one. Yeah. Who has the easiest path to the World Series
2: of any team? Depends on if the Mets... Win or the Padres win? Because I, I honestly, I, I may be jinxing us now, but we've had trouble with the Padres, or with the with the Mets. We have not had trouble with the Padres. We've seen them a lot more often. I think if the Mets win, um, it's more of a crapshoot. I think if the Padres win, I think I think we've seen them a lot this year and have done well against them. Um, as far as...
0: Depending on...
2: Yeah. Depending as far as, as, on... Right. Yeah, I I don't know that as good as the Mariners and Toronto is. I don't know that anyone beats the Astros um, from those two teams. I don't know if either one of them can do it. Um, so I think I think they have those two teams have the hardest path because as soon as you face the Astros, you're probably facing you're probably facing the Yankees, maybe Cleveland you know if they're on like the right trend I think it's probably the Yankees Tampa Bay always pulls out some devil Ray magic at the end um but I I think I think Seattle and and um the marine I'm sorry <laughs> Seattle and Toronto have mm-hmm. the hardest path mm-hmm. um as far as the easiest I think it does I think it does depend on if if we face the Mariners or the because um I I'm pretty confident against the cardinals or the phillies. We know we've had problems with Atlanta in the past, but I I think I think we're I think we're a better team than them right now. Um it always comes down to who's hot and who's hot when, but you know, knock on wood, mm-hmm. Cody's really hot right now and Trey Turner seemed to wake up a little bit and Freddie, you know, all of the guys all of our like the big four were kind of like a little bit hesitant there and they kind of perked back up in these last uh, couple games. And honestly like I didn't expect uh, much out of the series against the the Rockies because we all remember what happened to Max Muncie last year in the last game, right? Like no one like not not getting hurt and and staying sharp and staying loose right. even is important. So um I think we've got it pretty easy, honestly. Uh, and I'm sure I'll eat every bit of those words at some point in a pie mm-hmm. because I am a Dodgers fan. So I am I holding will you say to the that, Braves.
3: <laughs> I've, I don't know the specific date, but they've been playing on a 114-win pace for a while. So they're the only team that yeah. has maintained basically the same pace as this Dodgers team for a very long period of time. So Atlanta has to go tired. through the Dodgers, and conversely, yeah. the Dodgers have to go through Atlanta. New uh-huh. York really doesn't have that big of a problem until Houston and the LCS... And it has to be their year at some point to beat the Astros. Like, the Astros are the reverse Giants. Like They don't make the World Series in even years. They only do it in odd years. (laughs) So I'll say, like, the Yankees probably have the easiest path because they can handle both Tampa and Cleveland and match up decently well against Houston. So they at least have an easy ticket to the LCS. You're not wrong. It's just, what do they do when they get there is the problem. James, he stole the... my
1: answer. He stole yeah. my answer.
0: So it's two for the Yankees, then.
1: The hardest path is the Mets. Padres mm-hmm. are a good team. Uh, Darvish has constantly been good against the Mets. And Blake Snell uh, has been good in his postseason career. So that tough pitching, not fun to deal with in a three game series. Then you have to play the Dodgers who won 114 games. And then God forbid they beat the Dodgers. You're probably facing the Braves who you lost the division to and also won hundred games along with the Mets. So that's probably the hardest path in my opinion. I don't, I will say looking at that now, that
0: is a drastic drop off for the Mets between being a two seed and being number
1: a number four seed. Like if you I was rooting at, for the Braves, I didn't want to face them in a short series. The longer it is, the better. Like yeah. if you look at
0: sort of like how how things sh- could have shifted. So, like for example, if the Yankees weren't the ones who won. Yeah, at least, and somehow the Blue Jays pulled it out for you. Like, if you start to kind of mix and match teams just to kind of create different matchups, I don't think there's a worse combination or, or worse difference you could have created for a single team than the Mets going from either playing the Phillies or the flawed Phillies or the Cardinals, who are just always solid but aren't going to be the world beaters, to having to play San Diego – Then LA, and then if you get lucky, probably the Braves, and then if you get lucky again, probably either the Yankees or the Astros. Like the change in their path, looking at it just in a picture, it's stressful, is insane. And it's just just depressing if you're a Mets fan, absolutely.
1: For the the LDS, you're only going to have DeGrom and Scherzer once, you're not pitching them on short rest, you'll have them at the LCS, but you're probably facing Atlanta
3: at that point, who and hit DeGrom- them really
2: well recently. Degrom's recent numbers have not been good.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say, like God forbid, like Machado or Soto, like just connect with like one of those Degrom fastballs, which has kind of been the formula teams have been using to beat him. Joe Musgrove is sitting there, Game Three, and that is gonna be a tough matchup, even in city Field. Like, I don't want to face Joe Musgrove in a Game Three. He's probably the scariest game three starter you could have had in this scenario in a wild card series. So you lose one game. If you're the Mets in this path, you are screwed. It is going to be so much harder for you to go anywhere after that.
0: I, I just can't like, like I said, I just can't believe how different of a path it is for the Mets. I, I think that. You, you're absolutely spot on, James. That is the hardest path by far. And they made their own bed, right? That, like, they truly, they had, they had that a chance.
1: They and, had a chance to win in the final weekend. Right. Atlanta has been great all uh, for the last, like, what, four months. They've been playing insanely mm-hmm. well. And the Mets played at, like, a 97-win pace. So, it's not like the Mets collapsed like we're used to seeing. It's not like this. they had a, I don't know, an insurmountable lead, like, seven game seven games up with 17 left to play like that's insurmountable i don't know any team that could blow that kind of lead i mean it was neck and neck for most of september Mm -hmm. and they had the opportunity to control their own fate against atlanta even with a one win and they lined up their best starters and they just couldn't get it done you had to feel for them at a certain point because they didn't collapse the Braves just caught them. It's yep. not like 07 where they managed to blow that lead. I just mentioned to the Phillies and miss the playoffs entirely. They didn't do anything like that. They just played ball and did really well.
2: I, want to I mean, Didn't reward. Atlanta kind of do the same thing last year? Um, yeah. Just kind of like played ho-hum baseball and then got hot at the right time. Yeah. Um, so maybe a viable really strategy well. last year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think having, uh, yeah, the less we talked about last year, the better. <laughs> I want to I want to mention Cleveland a little bit. I Actually, two teams,
0: or three teams, I take that back. Three teams I want to talk about a little bit. Cleveland, St. Louis, Philadelphia. Those are three teams that kind of don't get talked about as much when you're putting this all together. Cleveland, because they play a 1960s brand of baseball right now in terms of how the game is played today st louis because they're kind of always there, just always solid using the crappy nl central to their advantage and then philly who kind of just snuck in you've got plenty of problems if you're the phillies but you found your way in but you still got to play the cardinals i'm going to start with the guardians is there any world in which you could see them let's just say the lcs And is it plausible to say there's a path for them to do that? Or is it like, yes, but so many things have to align.
3: There's no way it's happening for them. They have to 2015 Royals it to get to the LCS. Like the blueprints there, like that bullpen is nowhere near the 2015 Royals, but you just have to hold on for dear life at Yankee stadium. If you get to the division series. Because then you're pitching Bieber and McKenzie again in Cleveland. And if you win just one of those games, the that series is not going back to the Bronx. They're ending it in Cleveland. You got to hold on for dear life and just get it to the two aces and just hope no one in the bullpen even like fails a little bit. They have to be perfect because the offense is not great. They're just going to 2015 Royals, that's the perfect thing. But if Francona could pull the right strings and get the right guy in, they can absolutely make the LCS, and I would not be surprised whatsoever.
0: The, the 2015 Royals is a great sort of comparison. team It's like, how, how
4: did they get there?
0: How, how did you end up doing that? And I think that's sort of your path where you need to lean so heavily on what fundamentally got you there. And you just need everyone else to be just so fundamentally poor. I just don't know how you get past a team like the Rays, who of all teams, the way they approach the game of baseball, they're they're the hardest competitor for them for me personally, because they're the ones who can look at the brand of baseball Cleveland plays and say, we can scheme against that the best. Just because they're the Rays. Like and, and I've said it all years. as a Sox fan, I hate playing Cleveland because that is not a team that a lot of teams are prepped to play that style of baseball against. You make a mistake, you are screwed completely. Like you don't have a chance, especially in the playoffs. When you make a mistake, they are going to make you pay. And I, 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 I other teams are like that in some respects, but I haven't seen it to the same extent that I see it with Cleveland. And that's what's like, is there a path? If they get past the Rays, I say there's a chance they can beat the Rays. Like, but because I just truly view that as their hardest matchup, despite what the rank or the seating says. So let's talk about Philly a little bit, too. I, what does Philly have to do to, let's just say, somehow get their way past both the Cardinals and the Braves? Great. <laughs>
1: Hope Bryce Harper is twenty
3: fifteen Bryce Harper. So uh, so. Make sure every ball in the uh, outfield goes to Brandon Marsh.
0: Yeah, and that's that was kind of my answer to your question. You kind of answered it perfectly by saying, "Pray, James." Of the what is this twelve? Yeah, twelve playoff teams least likely to make either. I I want to say two. I I want to phrase this two way. Because least likely to win the World Series, I would probably put the Mets first just because of that gauntlet they have to go through. My, I, uh, now, now okay. least likely team to surprise and kind of find themselves beating a few teams and making a little bit of a run,
1: I'm saying the Phillies. I, I just don't see how they do it. I, I've been working on a uh, model for the last uh, last month now basically trying to predict the postseason. It hates the Padres. So uh, probably got to be them in terms of least likely to make the World Series just because of how much I'm just kind of basing it off of that. The Mets are still a good team. Also hates the Phillies. Like of the three teams you mentioned, it likes Cleveland more than it likes Tampa. So I I see the path for Cleveland – clearer than I see it for the Phillies because the Cardinals are a lot they're a lot like the Guardians in the sense that they are great at executing the fundamentals it's their bread and butter great defense great base running you know it's hard to win games where you don't make those types of gaffes especially in the postseason you need that type of cohesive ball where you don't have to worry that your left fielder just going to misplay a fly ball. You don't have to if you're St. Louis. You do if you're in Philadelphia. It's, you don't it's have to worry point. about those fundamentals. I don't see I a mean, path I mean, for the Phillies. I really don't.
0: When you're looking at it and, and you're putting it all together, like – the the question for the Phillies all year, and we I remember this saying this almost exact phrase when we did our preseason preview stuff. Like we're about to find out if you can homer your way to the World Series because you just ignore everything else except your offense. We're about to find out if it can work. And they, at least leaned all the way into it. Yeah, they snuck their way into the playoffs doing it. Now let's see if you can keep going. And that's why it's like I just don't see the path personally. I'm happy to be proven wrong, and it would kind of change a lot of things in terms of my opinion on how they handled this season. But I don't know. I I, that is just not a path I see. But also the Mets, I just the the Mets, the the Phillies, I don't see it because I don't like how they're built. The Mets, I don't see it because I'm like that's just that's a lot to ask of any
1: team to go. The Mets, I'll give a puncher's chance to right, just because they're a team that won 100 games. The Phillies didn't even break 90. There's a difference. I'll say you know, this,
3: though. The two. In 75% of postseason games where, the opponent, where one team out-homers their opponent, the team that out-homers the opponent wins. Is it flawed logic? Yes. Because those teams are a lot more complete than Philadelphia. But it's kind of been showing like homers matter more in the postseason. I think Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola are going to pitch – more innings than Sandy Alcantara this postseason if they're going <laughs> to they go far because they are going to ride those two to the death. Arms but
0: will fall off. That's
3: your chance right there. It's, I'd be excited to see 2019
0: I'd be super excited to see the Phillies do it. I just don't see a path. But I
2: also just like a very small part of me just wants a chaos bracket, like just, just underdog it every time, every time um another part of me just really wants a yankees dodgers world series because history and twitter right. will be obnoxious about it I might um it. no part of me wants an astros dodgers remix none i still I'm, i don't want it i don't want it i don't want that baggage
0: so before we get <laughs> moving through. to orange county if that happens <laughs> before we get to isn't that still la yes before we get to our predictions, I do want to I want everyone to pick one team. Maybe it's an underdog, maybe it's someone like, hey, this is this is my sleeper pick. You know, this is this maybe isn't the same pick I would say if I'm making a true prediction. This is who I want to be in the World Series. My stipulation here, since we are on Dodgers Digest right now, you need to pick <laughs> a World Series matchup that doesn't include the Dodgers. This is a sleeper-type World Series. I will go first and say, if I had my way, it would be Rays and Mariners in the CS, Mariners to the World Series. It would be Phillies, Mets, Phillies, Mets, Phillies in the World Series. Just a complete chaos area we got to mariners phillies in the world series just complete chaos that's what i'm expecting out of dodgers digest right now i'm not asking for you to all pick the dodgers to go to the world series because i know you're going to do that in the next (laughs) i'm asking you to give me something different
3: (laughs) all right i'll go first i think everyone's gonna pick seattle because i that Mm -hmm. fan base deserves it (laughs) Yes, and quite frankly, I w- would fly to Seattle and go to T-Mobile Field because that will be the most incredible atmosphere in which baseball has ever been played. So, if the Dodgers aren't in it, I want like the two most passionate fan bases. Like, I want an incredible like experience from my couch that I'll never forget. Give me Atlanta and Seattle. Those are mm-hmm. two very passionate fan bases. Two really good baseball teams with a lot of young stars. It'll be a great World Series and just a great way to grow the game, which is what I want more than anything.
2: Yeah, but then we all have to watch The Chop. I'm not into that.
3: All right. Tevi, <laughs> your two teams.
0: Again. Now,
2: uh, Seattle. Uh, I, I, I've I been very, very tangentially watching them this series. Uh, if not Toronto, I would be happy seeing the, the young boys up in, uh, up there. I'd like to see BoFlo, right to the World Series. Um, I think here's the problem is that like we have so much like history with everyone on our side of the bracket, right? Like Atlanta, no thank you, Cardinals. Uh-uh, San Diego. <laughs> no. Okay, who can you stomach? <laughs> Phillies, I got Mets, honestly, Mets. I, I, I would okay. because if you talk about atmosphere, their whole narco party in the world series like people's brains are gonna fly out of their heads like, That's fair.
0: That so would be so
2: if, if it's just pure pure fun and chaos i would say the mets because uh you know they've been the butt of so many kind of deservedly so they've been the butt of so many jokes recently yeah. that it would be really nice to see them and like the chaos of those two teams clashing against each other with like the dancing on the field and the the, the live trumpets and the like that that's a show that's a show too um and there's no uh casual racism involved (laughs) i mean i it's just such a shame that that team embraces that because you're right they are such an electric team they could just not do that one thing and be a lot more palatable to a larger portion of the of the audience
0: Not, not a bad point James, before we get into our
1: actual predictions, your fun prediction,
0: what would you like to see in a perfect world where the Dodgers aren't your favorite team?
1: (laughs) In the perfect world where the Dodgers aren't my favorite team, the Mariners are my favorite team. Okay. So the Mariners and who are they playing? Well, let's go through the national league. I hate Atlanta with a passion. St. Louis doesn't deserve jack shit the mets it's Carson. funnier for them not to be in the world series. the phillies don't have a prayer. who does that leave us with? the san diego padres. and you know what's going to be even funnier to it'll it'll make my heart that is two times too small grow to be three times too big is when julio rodriguez hits the game winning RBI gets the game-winning run in to break the hearts of all those stupid Padres players in Game Seven in Seattle, and Fernando Tatis doesn't come close to winning another World Series. Manny Machado doesn't come close to winning oh. a World Series.
2: Tatis is none a runner, of them.
1: So. None of them come close again. That was their chance, and they lose to Seattle and that will make my heart grow it would bring me the greatest amount of joy if it weren't my beloved dodgers all
2: i right.
3: think it'd just be funny like machado hits an absolute laser off the wall and then just jogs to first again <laughs> yeah, i've seen that too many times
0: all right i've done it long enough i'll give my my actual prediction first i do think we're going to get. I think we're gonna get Astros, Braves. I don't. I don't see a way around it. I think. The, I. I think a little part of me sees the back end of the Dodgers bullpen, and goes, something may or may not happen there. That's just me. I Dodgers agree with Braves, that, buddy. <laughs> Me, Astros, Braves, and then from there.
3: Houston.
0: I don't know. I don't, I don't like any of my picks. I don't like it. That's where I'm going to go with. But, alright, Dodgers Digest. Tell me who the Dodgers are playing in the World Series.
3: And- okay, I'm going to preface this by saying, in the preseason, I picked the Brewers to win the World Series over Toronto. The Brewers did not make the playoffs. So, I'm going to weaponize my powers of the jinx here. And I'm going to say it's Yankees over the Mets in six.
0: Ooh, that would be fun, though.
3: I would not hate that. Because, like, if I'm... I take my homework thing off. A lot of the rotation does not have postseason experience. We don't know what Gonsolin's going to look like. Anderson has one postseason start. We don't know who's going to be closing games. I hope to God it's not Evan Phillips, because we need him more to put out the fires beforehand. There are little things that kind of concern me, and I'm getting serious 2019 vibes from this team. So I hope I'm wrong. And that I put the jinx on the Mets, but that's what I'm going with.
1: James? I'm a little split here, Jordan, and I'll tell you why. My gut. I forget how much fun it has to, is to have you on these. <laughs> well, I, 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 like to, I like to spice things up, make it a, uh, make it a show. It's, a, it's entertainment at its heart. I'm having I have a model that says Dodgers, Yankees. I think the Yankees suck. I I was a bold dumbass who said the Yankees would not be in the postseason. I also said a lot of teams that were in the postseason would be, but not the Yankees. But my model loves the Yankees. I don't. So model says Dodgers over Yankees. My heart says Dodgers over Astros. mm mm-hmm because the Astros are the best team, but I hate them so they're not winning the World Series <laughs> Davi bring us home
2: yeah, I'm just not ready for another Astros uh, lineup even though most of most of those players are gone and I just I don't know I, I don't know if I'm emotionally ready for that um I I, I want I want an East Coast West Coast proper New York Los Angeles battle um, in the World Series. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to see uh, just for the sake of old times, uh, New York, uh, um, the Yankees and Dodgers. Um, mostly, and I, yeah, we'll I just really want to erase that Players Weekend where they had the House Painters and the uh, Paul Bears. I'm never gonna get over that. I'm never gonna get over not being able to see those two
0: <laughs> two
2: <laughs> jerseys on the field together. Cause that. um that's that. If you want to like bring up like getting back to the basics of baseball, Dodgers versus Yankees is like kind of the basics of baseball, right? Like that's seeing those historic teams in a modern setting. I wanna, I wanna see that. I wanna see that. Um, and I wanna cream them. But yeah, <laughs> let's see that. I if we face the Astros again, to it's just not Dodgers gonna AD. be a do what what.
0: I want nothing to do with Dodgers.
2: I, oh I, no, I, just, I think it'll be we the most obnoxious watching. it'll be the most oh obnoxious baseball twitter has ever been. <sighs> uh <sighs> and and they'll talk Rogers, about personal bias be bad forever. Too. That'll Oh no, that's also bad, but but um, the
3: toxicity around it. Yeah. Dodger Stadium would be the most toxic environment any sporting event has ever been played in. I can guarantee you that much.
0: That's fair. That 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 would that would have more narratives surrounding
1: it. I don't know. That's what the uh, overlords at Fox wrote in the initial script. I
2: was about to say. I think you're also uh, painting your own your own fan base with a brush that is. Got paint from other people on it, um, but uh, okay. Listen, will started, it be present? I don't know. I say,
0: <laughs> and we were getting spoiled over a hundred win teams. Listen, Dodgers, hey, no, Andrew, okay. you you got I'll it. say this: I was there for the Max Scherzer ball. game against the
3: Astros. I've been to playoffs that have been quieter than that regular season game. So yes, I know what I'm talking about here. When that I say is great, it is going to be, but I don't know. Toxic. I don't know that there's
2: going to be bloodshed.
3: It's not gonna be bloodshed. It's just every time Altuve steps into the box, we're gonna recreate the Cueto chant.
2: <laughs> I brought well,
1: the
3: bobblehead.
2: That was as what a peace the... offering,
1: and this is the thanks I get. Do I need to bring out the oh <laughs> Eloy Jimenez jersey Altuve? No, I forgive you. I just I had to throw it in there. But
0: all right, so there's a lot of Dodgers in the Shocker. World Series here. I, I assumed as much. We'll we'll as sort of a programming note before we kind of start wrapping up, we'll do um, recaps Our this week in baseball. We'll kind of turn to this series in baseball. Um, so as the wild card finishes, we'll do a recap as the division series finish. We'll do recap championship series recap our final final thing of the year will be the world series recap. And then we'll kind of take our break over the off season. Um, but before we even get near that point, we are going to do, our wrap up here by talking about favorite moments of the year. I don't know if I have one. Mine's probably Dylan Cease's um, almost no hitter. Um, I just, I, I'll be, I spent a lot of time writing a lot of articles about team, a, a team that should have won more than it did. And it, it was not fun. So I'm going to go with Cease. Just the entirety of Dylan Cease was awesome. Um, and the almost no hitter as I sat in a booth at dinner, and somehow kept myself composed enough to not flip out when he didn't get it. Um, rather impressive on my part, I will say. Um, but a bright spot in what was a pretty disappointing season as a White Sox fan. But the Dodgers fans, I'm sure, have plenty more special moments, and let's let let them take it away. Tavi, we'll start with you.
2: You know, you know I. I- I don't know that I have a standout moment. Um,
0: Just too many in 111 win seasons. Well, there was,
2: well, there wasn't like in previous years, like it definitely would have been Hyunjin Ryu's Homer or like Cody sliding out of his pants during his hundredth RBI, which is hilarious. You know, I was there for that. I don't think I had as many stadium moments this year that involved necessarily the team, but the people I was there with like um, last night, I think is one that's going to stick with me, even though we lost, Um, I was there with a friend who I hadn't seen in a while and we got to catch up. And it was just this real ballpark moment of like getting to watch some good baseball. You know, Joey Gallo did hit a home run, which was nice to see. Um, But like, I think this, this season has been more like, it's been more chill and as amazing as those 101 wins have been, it hasn't, it's been just, it's just been excellence across the board, but it's, but, it sounds really, but it's like routine um, in a really delightful and safe way. Again, knocking on all the wood I can touch. Oh, this has been um, my. This, I'm this so sorry, <laughs> but but uh, but but if there is a highlight that involves like baseball world, it would have to be the hotness bracket phenomena that happened <laughs> this year was particularly delightful. I figured you'd get
0: a plug in for that one. <laughs> uh, I, I, if
2: we, you're not familiar, or if you're we're a a minute, tw- fan, or an hour
0: twenty, and we still haven't gotten to the point. <laughs>
2: Well, um, I I was gonna do it instead of the Dodger Stadium, but I was like, let's get the depression out of the way earlier. Um, so McKenna Martin puts it on every year. There's a hotness bracket. Uh, not not not. It's not the whole forty roster, but uh, it is seated. Uh, some of the matchups are tough. Uh, but it's for charity. It's for a, a charity called Peace Over Violence, which uh, fights against domestic violence. This was inspired last year uh, by a certain someone, and we're gonna keep rolling with it. Um, but uh, I just. Saw during this podcast that someone i i did uh if you're on the TikToks, i did a tiktok about how like going through the bracket and just the really tough decisions because like you want to respect these guys but that's not the point of the bracket right the point of the bracket is to objectify a bunch of man meat and to donate to charity you know that's that's what the it's, deal for, it's for charity um and someone tagged alex Vesia's wife in it <laughs> oh my god and i yeah, talk god. about him extensively so um that's awesome you know <laughs> that is
0: awesome.
2: so off the field just now during this podcast seeing that alex messia's wife probably saw me just purposely and intentfully objectify her husband it was just a top top 10 moment there
0: <laughs> And then in stadium, you said it was all the friends, so the real treasure were the friends The
2: real treasure was the friends and the wives we horrified along the way.
1: (laughs) James, what about you? Uh, There's two things that stood out to me over this season. One of which was the first homestand. Uh, Everyone kind of knew Freddie Freeman was an Atlanta Brave. I think they did him really dirty in that. Whole uh, Matt Olson trade, but that's a story for another day. He comes to LA, and everyone knew, like, look, it's a different environment. Like, I was shocked when he wasn't going to return to Atlanta. So everyone chanting Freddie, like, to welcome him to LA. It was really heartwarming, you know, and it, it you're meant right. a that lot. That first to double,
2: him. that double where he saluted, that was. You're right. That was. That was special. That
1: first homestand was electric. Yeah.
2: yeah. Whenever that, he was, was at the call.
1: at the plate. It was uh I, I'm getting emotional talking about it now. It was <laughs> it was something you don't see very often. It was just really heartwarming to see a really nice guy be welcome to a new team in that way. And the other thing was watching Tyler Anderson pitch because I'm a sucker for those stories where it's like, Hey, look, he was all right, but watching him pitch has been a joy because he's been awesome.
0: That's a good one. I don't like
1: that. I mean, there's a lot of talented players on the Dodgers, but the ones like my favorite player has always been Justin Turner or my favorite hitter. I should say has always been Justin Turner because of the way he built himself into a major league hitter. It wasn't, he was the best player who went to the Dodgers. He became the best hitter while with the Dodgers and seeing Tyler Anderson kind of follow in that, where he became an all-star with the Dodgers. It it was fun to see, and I hope he comes back in the offseason. I don't know if he does, but it was a pleasure to watch him this year.
0: I like that one. Joseph, bring us home for the episode. What do you got? What's your favorite moment? Uh,
3: to preface this, I remember um, Egan College Jr. in the backyard with my mom and my brother yelling at our television because Dave Roberts has just pulled Clayton Kershaw in the middle of a perfect game. (laughs) And what may well have been his last chance to get the ever elusive perfect game. Thank you very much, Hanley Ramirez. So, my friends and I decide, on a whim, we're going to Anaheim. Dodgers, Angels, they're Angels fans. My buddy and I were Dodgers fans. We're just going to go, right? They've never seen Kershaw pitch before. And After the first three innings, I sarcastically tweet out. I'm like, oh, nine up, nine down. Then it's 12 up, 12 down. Then it's 15 up, 15 down. And then we're at 18. And I'm shaking in my seat because I'm so nervous. Then we get to 21. And I swear to God, I'm going to die of nerves in my seat. And not only did he do it. But he took away Robert's argument, you know, we're preserving the arm, we didn't want the pitch count to be high, because he was at 71 pitches through seven innings. And just the experience of being there, even though he lost it in the eighth, just feeling that and watching him chase what should have been his a long time ago, is just something I'll never forget, quite frankly, and it's always going to stick with me no matter what.
0: I think the build-up – I was at Carlos Rodon's no-hitter last year. And I think the build-up to the no-hitter is almost as impactful, if not as impactful, as that final out or a perfect game or whatever. Because you're sitting from about, like you had said, like the fourth or fifth inning, you're like, oh, my God. But you still got four innings to sit with that sort of anxiety, that sort of nervous energy. You've got to sit with that. So, like, it, looking back at it, sort of those nerves you have to sit with, that sort of build up to the final moments, like, that's just as impactful thinking back to it. Like, I didn't move. I had my leg crossed. I was sitting there after, like, the fifth inning. I, I did not uncross my leg the rest of the game like that that's how weird those are the things where it's like yeah the game itself is memorable but like you're saying too just going and experiencing the nerves of it like oh my god this is happening type thing i i think that's so cool so I, i very much relate to your experience there
3: and i have a little personal history too because my family we were fortunate enough to have dodger season tickets and in 2014 like just this random game wasn't selling, and my dad texts me he's like hey get ready because i'm gonna pull the tickets down in like 15 minutes and we'll just go kershaw's pitching and then right as he's about to pull them they sell for about face value right and we're like okay whatever we don't have spectrum it's their first year on spectrum we don't care and then we look at facebook and we're like what the hell is happening and we missed going to clayton kershaw's no hitter by five minutes and I will always be a little bit bitter about that.
2: As you should be. Like, yeah, the opportunity to see a thing. no-hitter. Yeah, uh, I've, I've been to a combined no-hitter against the Dodgers, and uh, it really sucks when it's against your team. But hooray history. I saw it.
1: <laughs> I think I've seen as many 10-run ga- or games where a team has scored 10-plus as I've seen shutouts. I've seen more of those because the only games I go to are in hitters paradise. That's fair. I
0: I think at the end of the
1: day, it's
0: another season come and gone. Some of us have more to be excited about. Potentially. Some of us will be starting to make their off season plans a little bit sooner than had maybe previously been anticipated, but that's the end of the day. We all have our stories. It's all the joy of baseball in some world or another.
1: The um, credits are here, Laz. You get to leave. Yeah. I get to be done watching baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're talking about off season plans. It's like I don't have to watch this team for an few. Yeah, months. I'm like, I'm done with it. like I can just in my, my hope. You're gonna I be can.
2: itchy by November. You're gonna be I will so be. itchy. Don't you get me wrong,
0: all. I will be. Um It will be nice though to just sit and watch a baseball game and just try and get back to like oh that's how much i love the
2: game. Yeah. Like, it can be fun to watch games with the, where you have no skin in the game that's for sure exactly
0: like and when you have a team that you write about so at, at such a die hard level that doesn't meet the expectations you had set out it it gets hard so getting to experience this from the outside it's like all right all right this is why I love like baseball these are the cool moments like seeing I, I wanted to mention that and it'll be the last thing i say before we kind of head out Um, Some of the cool moments of the players retiring: Kurt Suzuki yesterday, Stephen Vogt Vogt with his kids announcing him at the at bat today, and then him ending his career the same way it started by hitting a home run. Like that kind of stuff is. It's like that's why we all love baseball. At the end of the day, like we'll have plenty to talk about in the playoffs, but I think it's cool to end with like favorite moments and kind of see the end of some careers at the end of the um, at the end of the season, just because it's like. That's where you rediscover that love of baseball. So that's just my two cents. Like I said, I don't have a skin in the game. You're all kind of just sitting there like, shut up. Like, I got so much panic baseball left in
1: front of me. I have so a I whole get.
2: week to sue about it. Exactly. <laughs> well, me.
1: I'm enjoying this weekend because I won't <laughs> be able to enjoy my weekends for a long time. That's what I'm saying. It's was like, yeah, you're probably like, shut up, Chris.
0: Hey, look.
1: I'm happy that I don't have to talk to my parents about the White Sox anymore. (laughs) I am too. Trust me. So, um, well, Dodgers fans,
0: good luck. Thanks for joining on, Tevi, Joseph, and James. um, I made it through an episode Uh, of Dodgers Digest. (laughs) So, I'm a survivor at this point with this one. Um, That's going to do it for us. Make sure to tune in. Um, Throughout the week, we'll still have Articles coming out. I'm sure there will be plenty to talk about when it comes to uh, postseason baseball. If you if you don't follow us currently, Diamond-Digest is the website. Uh, diamond is the website. At Diamond underscore Digest is the Twitter. We'll be posting plenty there. Diamond.Digest is the Instagram. Go follow all of our writers who are on the screen here. Their Twitters are listed for you. Give them a follow. They all do great work. And again, they're Dodgers fans. So you'll be getting postseason tweets from them. You'll be getting me complaining about the White Sox. So there's two different worlds. But, and a, a final word thank you to everyone who's contributed this season. We still have more to come with these episodes, but who's contributed on podcasts, um, who's listened to them, who's helped put them out. Uh, it's a, certainly a team effort. And we're thankful for all of our writers, but also feeling thankful for all of our watchers and listeners um, for getting us people to talk to. Otherwise, we're just screaming into the void. Um, so for Tavi, for Joseph, for James, this is Jordan Lazowski signing off. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the playoffs. And we'll talk to you at the end of the Wild Card Series. Take care.